Episode 39, The Book of Leviticus Many believe that the book of Leviticus was all about a bunch of rules to do or not to do in life. But there's so much more to it than just that. This is a book about calling a nation to be holy as God is holy himself, setting them apart from the rest of the nations. Welcome to the History of the Bible. Before the Israelites left Mount Zion, they were given the laws that they were to live by through Moses at the tabernacle or tent of meeting. The time that passed between the tent of the meeting being assembled and the time that Moses received the instructions was no more than a month. The set of instructions and laws given to Moses and the people of Israel is what is now called the book of Leviticus today. As with the other books in the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the author isn't 100% sure who he is. However, it is clear who God talked to while on the journey to the Promised Land. Moses was also commanded multiple times by God to write all of these things down that the Lord told him. Regarding Leviticus, there are over 30 times that the Lord is said to have spoken to Moses and then instructed him to speak to the Israelites. Therefore, even if Moses wasn't the author, even though he is believed to be so, he is the main source of the information for the book of Leviticus. Now I know, the reading of the book of Leviticus can be more of a challenging read, in that it's quite frankly used to put a lot of people to sleep at night. But the reason that Leviticus was such an important section of history is because this is the instructions that God is giving to a people that are redeemed, yet sinful, to be in communion with him. Before going into the instructions that God gave, it should be pointed out God's holiness. Today, holiness is often lost and not given the same weight and meaning. In the Bible, the word for holy or holiness means blameless faultless, and unblemished moral purity. But it is also refers to the separation of what is pure from that which is not. In the Bible, it talks about a lot of God's characteristics, but when describing God as holy, it is the only thing that is used three times. Isaiah 6 verse 3 says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. When it is said three times like this, it stresses the fact that this is who God is. It's like when a little kid is trying to describe a giant roller coaster to someone. They don't just say it was a big roller coaster. They say it was really, really, really big roller coaster. To a degree, that is what the Bible is saying about God and him being holy. That God is really, really, really holy. God is holy. Anything that is not cannot be around him because it is against who he is and his nature. This may offend some in that it doesn't sound fair, but then the point is being missed. God is holy. That is who he is. It is his nature. At the same time, he is so deeply desires to have a relationship with the Israelites and later on with each individual that he made a way for them to be able to have that communion with God. This is what the covenant is to be, 
a way for the Israelites who are sinful and everything that God is not, to be in communion with God, with them being his people and him being their God, just like it was in the Garden of Eden. This is the whole point of grace. When Jesus came to earth to die for our sins, it wasn't just to save us from our sins. No, in reality, it was to bring us back to God, to have fellowship with the Father, just as Adam and Eve once had before sin. Keep this in mind as we go through Leviticus and the whole Bible. The instructions given to the Israelites are not just a bunch of rules of do's and don'ts, but a step-by-step guide to being able to have the same type of relationship that Adam and Eve had, despite the sinful nature of man. When it is calling them to be holy, it isn't putting them down for not being holy, but it is an invitation from God to be with him and in pursuit of him. It is God who is reaching out to man to have the relationship, which shows that God desires to be in communion with us. God desires to be with his people, giving them the instructions needed to have fellowship with one another. This is a theme of the book of Leviticus, bringing the Israelites into the fold of God, despite them being unholy, so that fellowship can happen once again. The main outline of the book of Leviticus is split up into ten different concepts. The five major offerings, the establishment of the priesthood, the laws on clean and unclean, the day of atonement ritual, blood, the call to holiness, holy times, blessing and curses, and the vow and dedication. Not only is it to set up how the individuals are to live, but also how the Israelite society was to function with one another. The name of the book Leviticus comes from the Greek that means the things concerning Levites, whereas the Hebrew word for this book means and he called. Because of the name, one may think that it was only to do with the Levites and them being priests. However, at this point, only Aaron and his sons were called to be priests, not the whole clan of Levi. Although they were recently ordained or blessed by Moses for the service of the Lord in Exodus 32 verse 29, after the golden calf fiasco, they still had not received a job. However, the Hebrew name for the book describes what the book of Leviticus is all about. As described earlier, it is a book of God calling out his people to be a separate and holy nation to himself so that God could dwell with them. Although it was only a month after the Israelites received the instructions, it would set up the society in which they lived in for generations to come. Now, as we go through the book of Leviticus, It will begin talking a lot about offerings and the different types. To us, it may seem like the Israelites were the only ones doing these type of offerings and sacrifices, but they weren't, and these things were not new to them. Many of the offerings and sacrifices that are instructed in Leviticus are not new, and in reality, they are very similar to what other nations were already doing. All of the five major sacrifices that God calls the Israelites to do are all found being done in other nations. For example, 
The burnt offerings are all found in multiple texts from Neo-Assyrian, Phoenicians, and Punic documents. The grain offerings were used by the Semitic tribes. There has even been found texts written on tablets that describe the sacrifices and offerings in other ancient societies. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did sacrifices long before the law was given to Moses. This is to show that God was taking something already familiar to the Israelites because of the time and area they were living in and using it to distinguish them as his people. For most of the ancient societies that offered sacrifices to their gods and goddesses believed that before humans came along, they were happy living alone. The only reason they created human was that the gods and goddesses got bored doing all the physical labor for providing for themselves. So they made humans to grow crops, build houses, and provide drinks. Animal sacrifices would bring food, temples provided shelter, and vineyards provided drinks. Therefore, it created an interdependent relationship between the people and their deities. As long as the deities were happy, then they would protect those people. However, this isn't why God was requiring sacrifices and offerings. In reality, God doesn't need anything from us. He is only dependent on himself. So why make them do the sacrifices? The reason for that is because it was God's call to the Israelites to be faithful within the covenant that was set up between God and the Israelites. How does the killing of animals show the Lord that the people were being faithful to him in the covenant? Today, the word sacrifice comes from the Latin words that mean to make sacred or to make holy. If we remember, sacrifices have been around for a long time. It's actually what got Abel killed by Cain in Genesis. And Noah gave an offering to God after the flood had ended and the ark had landed. There are two main reasons that God required the animals to be killed as a sacrifice. The first is because it was a temporary covering of the sins with the blood of the animal. Although the animal wasn't able to fully wipe away the sins of a person, it did allow for them to come before God. Leviticus 17 calls the blood of an animal the part which carries the life in the flesh. So the Israelites were not allowed to eat it because it was the Lord's and it was used for the covering of one's sins or atonement. Here's where the main difference between other near countries and the Israelites differ on sacrifices. Because the blood of an animal was shed for the person, it gave a temporary atonement for the person to come before God. Whereas other societies use sacrifices to make the gods happy and invoke them to bring protection and prosperity. The killing of an animal was a messy job. As the throat was cut and the blood came out, it was an extreme reminder that sin does have an effect. Sin required to have a blood covering because life was in the blood. The other thing that has been suggested about sacrifices is that they could represent a meal. The main purpose of the sacrifice is for the blood to cover for sin. It is a substitute for the life of a person. But some scholars suggest that it could also have another meaning to it. 
Some parts of Leviticus refer to the sacrifices as food, and that as a person would offer their animal as a sacrifice, it was as if they were preparing a meal, so to speak, that would be shared between God and the person. In this period, sharing a meal was a sign of friendship and connection. So sharing a meal with God was the ultimate sign of Him living among His people. Today, there isn't any need for animal sacrifice. The reason is that Jesus became the ultimate lamb that was sacrificed for us. And because he was fully man and fully God, he was able to cover everyone's sins. Looking at the book from the perspective of the New Testament, this is what the whole book of Leviticus is about, a reminder of what Jesus did. The book of Leviticus isn't about God being angry with Israel and making them follow a bunch of rules to make him happy. That's what the rest of the surrounding nations did to make their gods and goddesses happy. Rather, God so loved his people that he was willing to sacrifice other creatures he created just so that he could be with them. And those sacrifices constitute a significant part of the book. It isn't the only thing that is addressed. It is establishing the foundation for a society that was made for worshipers of God. Because as the people of Israel followed the covenant, they were pursuing God. And the pursuit of God is an act of worship. God addresses things like diets, childbirth, and diseases. Much of the things that God tells the Israelites to do so that they remain clean is what are now known practices today for personal hygiene. Though to them at a time, it was unknown that God was requiring them to do certain things to help prevent diseases from taking hold and spreading throughout their soon-to-be-established nation. The book of Leviticus would also set up feasts that would be times set apart that God wanted the people to celebrate. This is also a form of worship. It talks about sexual relationships and setting up boundaries as well as other day-to-day -day things that would shape the nation to become the holy nation that God was calling them to be. If the whole book was to be summed up in a couple of words, it would be about the calling of the Israelites to be holy. Not just to be holy in itself, but because it was an act of worship as they pursued God, who is holy himself in their daily lives. So join us next time in episode 40, the five major offerings as we begin to unpack the laws that were given to the Israelites. Until next time, remember that you are loved, special, and worthwhile.